Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and we get together about twice a week, and we chew on God's word in an effort to encourage and edify you at home, jogging, driving, riding your bicycle. Underwater yoga-ing. Underwater yoga-ing. We do not endorse the the unsafe practice of underwater yoga, but um, this week we have Jarrell Carper. Welcome back, Jarrell. Here I am. Here you are. Lord send you. Jarrell, it's been a while since I've had you in, in the office. I feel yeah. like uh, there's You've been, been a busy man. There's been a lot going on. I try to be as busy as possible. So well, people think I'm important. Yeah. <laughs> your your tools and your skill set has been in high demand, I should say. Yeah. Lots of <laughs> lots of moving pieces. Speaking here. of me lending you tools and <laughs> you never giving them. Back. I might have a battery powered uh is that a miter saw? Skill saw. Skill saw. Here under my desk, that's Jarrell's. Um, Jarrell, you know how this goes. We are chewing on things of yeah, this is, nature. This is sometimes, you know, I'm going to be handling scripture. I try to do my homework so that I'm not... <laughs> you know, act Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm rightly handling things, but this is nah. a, This is just like a conversation on stuff that's been in my head. And yeah. so we're going to talk about community. Mm-hmm. Not the TV show, but the relational enterprise of humans and the church. Yeah. Um, Shows like 3.5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, I never really fully got into it yeah, as much as The Office and Parks and Rec. Yeah. So. Diehard fan here. Um, so, strangely, one of the things in my title, other than pastoring building, is uh, <laughs> community uh-huh. and kind of in, loosely in charge of small groups, which have been very... Um, unofficial and under the radar here we don't have like a big small group program yeah and um well one of the things i i've been chewing on is i don't know so much of just like what what are we even doing as the church and it's it can be easy when you're on the pastoral side to get like a little cynical Mm -hmm. and or not cynical but hopeless or just wondering what are like, what are we doing with all of this time and energy and resources? And is it even doing anything? And yeah. Um, so I try to post up out in the lobby and on the, by the front doors on Sunday morning. Um, part of that's because I, I want to see our people and be known. Um, there's also, um, typically we, you know, Sean is one of the pastors. He's usually teaching Bible project. Lou is one of the pastors. He's, you know, staring at guitar strings or yeah. praying monastic prayers or whatever he does on <laughs> Sunday morning. Brett's usually, you know, reading through a sermon and he goes to the Sunday morning prayer. So that, I mean, that's, I'm the only pastor that would actually be available to be near the sheep on a Sunday morning. Sure. Like a, so I, I try to play that role, but it is funny. You know, we do the name tags and we have greeters and there's a sense, you know, we're a 500 person church, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little more, a little less, depending how you count. If you count kids and kids how many don't count, how many people you count with, <laughs> count for Chris, um, with your loud laugh. And so you know, you see people drive up, they get out, they have their week, they they walk in, um, go sit down. We sing some songs, we hear a sermon, we sing some more songs, and we go home. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, there's a lot of people that just straight tail it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there's some that stick for five ten minutes, and then they're like the overachievers are here like forty five minutes to an hour after the services, just still talking or doing something, and and then I think in a lot of ways we we each go about our week right, and we have our jobs and our mm-hmm. families, 
some people are in some small groups. I think there's some, you know, some cross crossover between people in our church and one another. There's some people that hang out all the time, like mm-hmm. the Schaeferlies and Zimmerlies, you know, they like always have people at their house yeah. like, doing something together. And, um, you know, then we have some programs like you might go to a, a class or a youth group or a Bible study or a prayer group, but that's kind of like, that's our church, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and there's pros and cons of a large church like us. Like we have the resources and manpower to do a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously the downside is just a sense of feeling disconnected. Um, if we were a small house church of 30 people, I mean, you would know every single person right. and you would probably eat together at least on the Sunday meal. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a much closer sharing of life. And so just thinking about, all right, we're reading through the scripture. We're talking about, um, a redeemed people and a new uh, community, a new humanity in Christ, the body of Christ. Um, yeah, what what really should we think? How, how can we think about sharing life together as God's family and committing to, committing to one another? Well, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, I find myself not infrequently worrying about things that are, don't matter. Um, (laughs) and so it, it prompts me to ask the question, okay, does this matter? Like do, does community matter? And if it does, what, in what form should community take? Is there an optimal expression of community in the church body? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Well, Um, let's answer the first one. Maybe I guess, does it matter? Do what is fellowship? What is community? Is any of that? essential or important to oh, Christian man, life. I got to tell this story. <laughs> so one of my, my best friend growing up, Tyler Hurt, um, his dad was, um, they ran a flower business and a flower mm-hmm. farm. And he was just like always fixing old trucks late at night and hanging deer in the garage. And he, they had like a base baseball fields for the local, you know, kitty baseball leagues and mm-hmm. stuff. And just, the funniest guy and said the weirdest things. And one time my friend Ty, it was just driving like quietly in the car and his dad just goes fellowship. It's real neat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that was it. That, that was, was it. It's like, he's thinking real neat. Stuff. And uh, it's kind of like a Christian word fellowship. But to this day, when I hear fellowship, I just say real neat stuff, real neat stuff. And maybe I'll send this to my friend Ty and I'll think about it. But, That's awesome. um, yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the things I want to talk about was how, at least now, we're we're very hyper-connected with technology. The amount of people, and like transportation, I mean, just being able to drive 10 miles to see someone <laughs> instantly. Yeah. But then there's your phone, FaceTime. I mean, we FaceTime my grandparents, my parents. We're hyper-connected. Like the ability, the amount of people we know and the, the distance we can know them, like the globalization of the world, like it's crazy. But at the same time, we're incredibly lonely and isolated, <laughs> and they kind of go hand in hand. So yeah. So would you say there is a distinct difference between connection and fellowship? Well, I w- you can pick your words. I probably wouldn't say the word connected, but um, I don't know what word I would say there. But yeah, it's just where you can know a lot of you can know about a lot of people and not really know many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we think about it as like in our context I'm and to answer your question I'm thinking about Christians throughout history throughout the world 
And there's lots of different cultural values where if you, you know, different parts of the world really value family and Mm -hmm. generations and respect for elders, that type of stuff. Um, If you live in poverty, you're like, or, you know, not even, yeah, just not, not a wealthy nation. You're often dependent on grandparents and great grandparents to cook and raise kids. And so um, communities like are, are much more dependent on one another, like a neighborhood of food and water and working together to survive. I mean, the fact that we can be so independent is crazy, but yeah, we're getting way off track here, (laughs) but yeah. So I, so I was reading a a book and the author just kind of threw out these five words with a pro and a con Mm -hmm. to each that just talk, just some reflections on community. I was like, Hey, this, this is like a good conversation. Um, so there's like five things that she offers for, um, like a challenge to be more communal and share life together. It's to be close. Uh, you want to be close, safe, protected, deep, and committed. Mm-hmm. And so for close, um, the contrast is proximity versus busyness that we would actually, you know, repent of being so busy that we could just be with people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't have to drive to this thing, rush to that thing, go there. Conversations can linger longer um, where you're just, um, in a sense, to to actually have community, you the very first step is to simply just be with each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're not just with each other, then um, it's really hard. And so I, I do. I wonder, man, why are we all rushing out of the building on Sunday? Not that that's the only place, but um, I want to do like a, a refreshed small group launch this fall. And I'm wondering how many people are actually going to be interested because it's going to conflict with all the commitments we have and yeah so i think the first question to the listeners is just are you are you free enough to just be with people mm-hmm. or are you constantly like going uh the second is safe that you want these relationships to be safe and um the contrast there is between transparency and pain and shame and mm-hmm. so this difference between like you know you can just hang out with people but to really be known that they would actually know all parts of you mm-hmm. and typically the parts you don't want to share are the ones you're embarrassed about you know yeah the sins you're struggling with the wounds of your past the parts of your personality that you hate um you know the challenges you're facing and we've hopefully many of us have tasted a relationship that felt safe mm-hmm. where you felt like man this person i can actually i could probably tell them anything and that they're not going to freak out <laughs> yeah um and I think when, if you've tasted that, I think you long for it. But I, I do think there's a lot of people that have been burned enough that those walls are up pretty high mm-hmm. or pretty thick. So to get someone to a point that's that's been vulnerable and then has been bullied or has been gossiped about or has been outcast, like it's hard emotionally to kind of work up the courage to to jump back in again. So, and I wonder if there's a distinction that can be made there between um, the safe and risk you know, kind of ratios that we approach with relationships, because in the context of, um, you know, being gossiped about, lied about, being taken advantage of all those things, those all seem, yeah, totally right on the head. We need these things for relationships to exist in a deeper level. But I wonder is, is, do you think there's an intrinsic risk that we have to embody and say, yeah, I accept this. And I know that relationships can be messy And I'm not looking for the first exit the moment we have an awkward conversation or something like that. Right. No, yeah. It's always a risk to be vulnerable and transparent. Um, 
I think the first, at least, at least the first time, until you, if you feel like you trust the person, then yeah, it's probably not a risk. The tenth time that you share, but <laughs> yeah. um, and I do think there's wisdom in it. I mean, it's, I it's probably a less frequent thing, but there is the the Christian extreme of, um, the person that just shares all of their baggage with everyone all the time, and we've talked about that before, almost yeah. like a badge of honor, or just kind of like you need to get some professional help or yeah. can you share this with two or three people and not need everyone to know and give you advice? Like how it's probably not beneficial that a hundred people know your baggage, but it probably is beneficial that two or three do. Yeah. You know? So I think that there's different levels of friendship, but mm-hmm. I think there's a sense that you need that. Um, so that it's not just close and safe, but protected um, that you would, that there'd be a sense of accountability. Someone could call you out mm-hmm. and, I, it's crazy because if you just bluntly ask someone, would you love to have a friend that was honest with you and could actually just like call you out if they saw stuff in your life? I think most people would say, yeah, mm-hmm. but we, it's not, it doesn't always, we're not always as stoked when it does happen to us. Yeah. And we're actually, I feel like in our day and age directly, we're a little less stoked to actually give that. Um, you know, I grew up in a, a subculture that was, it was, people were really kind to your face and then um, would go gossip and slander. And there was a very indirect kind of passive aggressive mm-hmm. nature to the community. Um, and so I'm still wrestling through trying to, you know, how do I have the courage to, to speak truth? How do I have the thick skin to hear it? Um, and how do I, yeah. How, how can I have friends that could actually call me out and are invited to do that? And again, I think that's not everyone because, I don't want everyone telling me what they think about me, but I do want two or three people that I know love Jesus really well and me yeah. to actually like hold me accountable. Like, dude, you're, you're not handling your money well, or you're not loving your wife well, or you're not spending time with your kids and just straight shoot me. Yeah. And uh, so not just close, not just safe, not just protected, but, but deep. And she talks about a shared purpose versus shallow and small talk. And, you know, um, I kind of think it's like anytime you accomplish something with someone as like a team, you're serving alongside them, you're hiking a mountain, coaching a team, building, doing a project, like serving in a ministry together. There's like that shared purpose, which I think we all have in Christ. Actually, it was really cool as a, as a level of bonding. I think um, sometimes you feel it with your spouse as you try to <laughs> raise your kids. Like we're, we're in the, <laughs> the thick of it together, mm-hmm. but it is, um, you know, typically after Sunday I've talked to so many people probably you know an hour and a half before the service at least an hour after the service by the time I'm home I'm like I am so tired of talking to people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I try to talk to people that I don't know and get to know people but there's a lot of conversations and honestly probably 80% of it feels like small talk (laughs) yeah she's like how's your week oh good how about you and we just like and we're not um I think having a shared purpose gives you stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that would be something that you want with your community. And the last is just committed and her contrast is consistency over conflict. And um, I think we all think agree conflict is a inevitable and necessary thing, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, do you let the conflict derail your friendship or can you have the, like resilience and commitment to push through. And I've found that friendships that um, 
exist on the other side of conflict often are much stronger Mm -hmm. um where uh, i had a roommate or a a a dorm mate floor mate at college and he i was his ra and i i got put on the floor with like it was like the bad floor and they're like joel you can probably fix this floor thanks guys (laughs) um and so the leader was a guy named prison mike (laughs) and (laughs) he came from prison and (laughs) with tattoos and stuff and he like hated me at first and want, like did not want me to be his leader and mm-hmm. then like somehow over time we just like became slowly became friends and then better friends and then we like we really enjoyed each other and um only after some conversations of but yeah I, I do think I think sometimes we're like you know shouldn't Christians be the best at conflict resolution and forgiveness and um I think sometimes our church it's hard to to have the resilience to work past some of the conflict. So mm-hmm. anyways, there you go, Chris. I, you know, I'm the community pastor, so I'm obviously the expert Yeah, <laughs> and I do all of this perfectly. There's nothing else. And, you know, say. we can talk about, you know, introverts and extroverts. You could talk. Um, I mean, how much, I think the danger in how many people we can know it, it is, it, it'd be exhausting to try to have this with, you know, hundred people. Yeah. Like, there, there are layers of friendships and, you know, we work at this church. And so there are so many people here that I feel like the genuine desire to be their friend and to know. And I just, I, I have a kid, I have kids, I have family. I, mm-hmm. um, I need to like take care of myself a little bit. And so it is hard to know, like, when do I, when do I put myself into these settings of community and when is it okay to like just be by myself and watch a TV show or mow the lawn and just introvert a little bit? And you know, yeah, this is one of the things where I'm like, oh, like I wonder what it's like on the other side of the fence of being a pastor in a church. Like, mm-hmm. what's it like to go to a church but not work there? <laughs> yeah, not feel the pressure of like I need to know all 500 people by name and <laughs> never do the name tags. It's the yeah, it's the worst, especially yeah. as a pastor. They just stare at you and you're like oh, i'm sorry i know i know your name but i don't know 500 <laughs> names <laughs> yeah so anyways there you go what do you think chris well i think that there's this sense especially in the last thing you were talking about where you have to think about it in the context of concentric circles where you have the innermost you know you've got your spouse your kids like those really close tight-knit i'll say family but not just by blood or marriage but and then you've got you know your close friends and then your associates and then people you're just familiar with. And I think that if you can audit your life and say, yeah, I've got people in all these rings, like no ring is atrophying. If your outer ring is atrophying, then you need to get out there a little bit more. If you got nobody deep in your life, but I do think that part of the problem comes when you want to over-realize one of those rings, you know, usually the closer one actively and then passively People want to push everyone to the outer rings sometimes, I think, keep people distance from themselves. But I think that's a healthy way to look at it in terms of relationships and not get out of balance. Yeah. Where like everyone has to be in the inner ring. <laughs> You're like, yeah, some people have higher capacities for more people that close. Um, I also like the analogy of, you know, have people in your life that you're pouring into and that are pouring into you. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they all fall into those two categories. Yeah, I was reading... Um I know you're a big fan of Henry Nowen, but I love Hen- I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> anyways, but he was talking about um 
friendship and how, you know, everyone's broken and everyone's going to let you down. Everyone's love is going to be imperfect. Um, and so, you know, if you're looking to people alone to, to meet all of your needs or the church as like a entity, like you're always going to be disappointed. That's mm-hmm. why we forgive. Like we constantly forgive yeah. for people letting us down. And um, that's the interesting thing about Christian community is like, um, we're not a whole lot different than the rest of the world. The difference is that we forgive each other yeah, and we keep going. And we also, you know, we value diversity. We, um, we are in close proximity to people that we otherwise wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Cause you, if you share a job, that's kind of a similarity, you share a neighborhood, a similarity life stage, but we're, you know, we come from all over and we're sitting in that room and we're like, we're a family. And like, are we, I don't know your name. Yeah. So it is a challenge of like, man, do you program it? Do you try to like program community? Do you try to get some key people and have it, you know, shape, shape the culture? Do you just hope people on their own do it and just preaching a sermon about it, change anyone's life. And so then you get into kind of like discipleship philosophy, which we talk about a lot, but um, that's kind of the question of, I mean, I'm asking and praying through, man, what, in this kind of new season now we're at we're in the Cal Young neighborhood, we have this church building. What what would God have for us as a church mm-hmm. to um be a faithful community and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think there's two things people can really consider when they're looking at this because I, to go back to my first question, I I think it's completely essential. I think fellowship and um it's real neat stuff. It's real neat stuff. And it's essential, and it's it's beyond cordial. It's beyond first name basis. Um, but I think the first thing that you can do is stop looking at people as a means of getting what you need. You know, uh, and and it's not to downplay certain things like discipleship and mentoring, which are again, I think, essential relationships to have in your life. But when all you're doing is looking around and you're going, "No one's meeting my needs," that's a problem. Yeah. Even though those are legitimate needs. And I think getting involved, serving, rubbing shoulders is a really good solution to that. Um, Additionally, I think becoming resilient in your expectations that some people won't like you and you just won't like some people. I don't know that you have to like gel on every level to be a Christian next to another Christian. In fact, I know you don't. Yeah, I was like, you, know? ah, you might be the only one on the fence there. <laughs> yeah, like I think Brett has mentioned from the pulpit many times, like there's people here in this room you don't want to go on vacation with. And I think that's okay. And I think having these high expectations that like things have to go flawlessly um, instead looking like you said at conflict as, is it a constructive conflict or a destructive conflict? Because it in and of itself is an agent for change. And I think that is intrinsically neutral. I think it can be good change or bad change. So seeing somebody who like challenges you, even just witnessing them as a challenge, like seeing the way someone acts and going, oh, that that really challenges something inside of me that I act differently or I speak differently or I, I have different philosophies on things. And instead of letting that be an opportunity to say, nah, distance, we're not going to jaw, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, I'm going to look somewhere else to get my needs met thinking, okay, what, what is that challenging in me? And I'm safe. I'm okay because I'm in Christ and I'm unified, but what is that kind of shaving off in me, the rough edges and seeing it as an opportunity for growth instead of, yeah, we just don't get along like you and your buddy. Initially there was something in there that was 
interpreted, experienced as chafing and cause conflict. But in the end, it seemed to be really beneficial for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, it is one of the tensions where we need the people in the church that are just, that are different than us. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, I, I think you need both. I think you need a, a space where you do feel these things close, safe, protected deep and mm-hmm. committed. And you obviously can't be that with everyone. Probably you're going to find that in people that are in a similar life phase. ish. Yeah. Um, I do think it, generational diversity is, is really important, but mm-hmm. you know, there's even the practical side of the older, like the empty nester groups. They like, they're meeting middle of the day. And yeah. like they, Everyone's like, well, I'm at work and my kid goes to bed and you know, it, it's just a little different, but some solidarity around your life. Yeah. But I would say most people would probably be surprised by the desire that both generations have to cross that line. I think there's a deep desire. I think old people want to be pouring into the younger people and young people desperately want mentors, but it really just requires you finding someone looking at them in that category and then start shaking hands. Likewise with people in your own category, go find a young person with a kid or two. If you fall into that category and you go meet them on Sunday, Yeah, like the, I think sometimes we talk a lot about facilitating and programs and, um, you know, I think we're better than maybe, uh, a speed dating <laughs> program. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like, yeah. like, I think there are ways you can facilitate relationships like that, but like, just, just do it yourself just, to some degree. You have to take ownership to, ha- to your house. Yeah, yeah. Invite someone to your house, have dinner with somebody. Um, it's, it's easier than you think. And guess what? You walk away and nothing ever happens. And you're like, what did that cost me? Another name. That's great. Maybe they yeah. felt validated that morning. Right. I have some ideas up my sleeve that I haven't even told you about yet. I have some ideas up my sleeve that I was going to... Chris, you don't even have sleeves. I, no! <laughs> For the listeners, he's wearing a tank top. <laughs> it's a wife beater. Uh, <laughs> the dress code around here has fallen to pieces. Um, yeah, I'm glad I the that dress you're... code was our old office. We didn't talk about it over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're thinking about these things, and I think it's valuable for our church to know Hey, what, no matter where you fall, like if you're totally content or you're going, what are we doing? These are conversations we're having on a regular basis, or at least thinking about in our offices, in our, in our respective categories. Just me and you, I guess. (laughs) No. (laughs) We're talking about it in here. That's That's, true. Yeah. There you go. Musings on community. I love it. Well, thank you, Jarrell, for coming in here. And hopefully listener, you think about community a little bit differently and what your needs are and what rings you have uh, where you need to fill some people in your life um, and serve in ways that you're not serving now. So until next time, hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming in. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 